The opinions expressed on this podcast are not meant to be disseminated as medical advice. If you need additional clarification or have questions, consult a mental health professional in your area. Hello, and welcome to 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, the podcast where a copywriter, that's me, James Breakwell, and a psychologist. Oh my God. All of the energy, it's so overwhelming. That's me, Steve Olivas. Try to solve your long-running relationship issues in 10 minutes or less. Steve, did I bring the energy today? Are you uplifted? Oh, my God. Did you take just a little <laughs> bump of Coke before we started recording, James Bagwell? Nothing will ever make you happy, but this question <laughs> makes me very happy, so I'm just going to jump straight oh. to it. Hey, yeah, guys. Yeah. I need both of your guys' advice on this one. James for his comically correct take, and Steve oh. for whatever it is he does around here. I mean, oh his clinical psych take. I, I love this person. Favorite question ever. I am 46 <laughs> years old and have a sister-in-law who is a day older than me. She is mentally handicapped and has the maturity of a four- to six-year-old. One of her diagnoses is intermittent explosive anger, though as of late, the explosive anger has become more of a constant and her being uh, an agreeable, lovable kid is a thing that's intermittent. We've made a commitment as a family not to institutionalize her, uh, but if men her mental health deteriorates to the point where she's not safe around our kids, then my wife and I might have to reconsider that commitment when we become her caretakers. My in-laws are in good health for their age, but all that is subject to change. Right now, all she does is sleep, play video games, absorb whatever news channels her parents watch, and post on Facebook. One of the challenges we face is she's on Medicare, so there aren't a lot of doctors available taking new Medicare patients, and we're legally limited in our uh, out-of-pocket options. Steve, any mm. advice on how to navigate the system? I'm not opposed to paying a doctor to say my sister-in-law has to do something and then going through with it at our expense and using that as the authority beyond my control. And James, give me some comic relief so I can laugh at this like it's happening to anyone but me. All right, Steve, take it away. Uh, with Medicare, so that's SSI, that's uh, disability, and that's sometimes uh, the way that they pay is usually consistent in that they pay really uh, on time. They pay like they say they're going to pay. The problem is the rate of reimbursement is so low that uh, the doctors that do see Medicare patients, one of the secrets of the industry is they tend to like double and triple book just uh, to, try to, to try to be profitable. So a lot of times going through a government agency is going to be your best bet with somebody who's on Medicare, Medicaid. The other option is to take them to like County General Hospital and go through the emergency room to try to get them, uh, your sister-in-law, seen by a psychiatrist. I don't know uh, many other options because I don't live in this world. I know that in Tennessee, at least in Middle Tennessee, we have an organization called Centerstone which uh, just sees a ton of people that are both low income and also disabled so that they have Medicare. There's probably an equivalent agency that has a bunch of different branches around town near where you live. I, I don't even know what to Google search for to get you into that loop, but I would recommend that. And uh, yeah, the intermittent explosive, I didn't know it was called intermittent explosive anger. Uh, back in the day, they called it intermittent explosive disorder. And uh, there's medications that can help level that out. I'm sure your sister-in-law is on uh, an antipsychotic of some sort. 
Uh, Thorazine is probably the one that most people have heard of because of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but uh, the movie with Jack Nicholson, <laughs> if you're too young to get the reference. But the point is, they're, they're medicines that sort of throw a wet blanket over the brain to kind of keep it settled down. Thorazine is a really potent one. Now we have ones like Seroquel that have come out and uh, can do it, uh, can, can settle that explosive part down in a way that doesn't strip like the humanity out of the person like Thorazine used to do. But in general, to to find a psychiatrist is going to be a tough putt, but I'll bet there are psychiatric nurse practitioners that do work for agencies that handle Medicare that should be able to help you. My last piece of advice is on your sister-in-law's Medicare card, there should be a customer service number on the back. And I'm saying this more to educate the listeners because I'm sure your in-laws know this very well. But uh, call that number and they are obligated to give you the names of at least three providers in your area who take Medicare. You're probably going to have to go down the list about a dozen or so to find someone who still has openings for new patients. But that is going to be the resource that will have all of those providers in a directory and be able to at least... uh, I don't know, guide you in the right direction. What say you, James? Well, I think it's very noble uh, what he's doing, but don't, I guess I have, I I, I have a a reluctance to commit to any never will I ever promises made in times of good health. Uh, Because it's it's noble that we we don't want to put this person in an institution ever. Uh, I think the idea that an institution is always the worst option is probably wrong. And I, I don't have an exact parallel in this situation. But I have something sort of similar, and I think a lot of families do, where you end up with elder, elderly relatives. And they'd be like, it'd be better if they could live on their own. It'd be better if they could live with us. But at some point, you get to the point where you simply don't have enough hours in the day to care for them, or you simply don't have the facilities to care to them. And it turns out it would be a lot better if they went to a nursing home. Uh, and this is going to uh, shock you, Steve, but I come from a very long line of very stubborn people who absolutely do not want to do anything uh, they're told to do. So my grandmother, <laughs> who was 93 and uh, needed heart surgery, but they weren't going to do it because it would kill her, uh, she was in very bad health. She could only walk from her chair to the bathroom and then back. That was her entire life for years. And she lived for that. She sat in that chair and she watched Judge Judy because that's all she wanted. Her only thing was that she did not want to be in a nursing home. And that probably kept her going. She probably kept going out of spite. However, if she was just a little more agreeable, if she had let us put her in a nursing home or even let us send a nurse to your house or an aide, somebody to check on you three times a day, anything like that, her quality of life would have been exponentially better. Her health would have been better. She probably would have been more, uh, more mobile. She definitely would have been better nourished. And I think we run into a bit of that situation here. Now, I have not gone through and seen what kind of institutions you're talking about here. And I can certainly envision all sorts of horror stories. But I'm sure there are probably some. Uh, maybe there's some that administer a, a lower level of care and have more freedom, just kind of people checking in on you a couple times a day, things like that. If you look at the things that she actually enjoys doing, though, she likes playing Xbox. She likes watching the news. She likes posting on Facebook. If she has a phone and an Xbox, she can do those from anywhere in the world. And if this is going to be a situation uh, where her intermittent uh, explosive disorder gets worse, if it's going to be an infringement on your family, if your kids are going to resent you, if they're going to be afraid to have sleepovers at your house because there's somebody there who can't control their emotions, uh, I think it's going to get to the point where you have to look at the greater good and say, hey, we can give this person a great quality of life 
And yes, it, it breaks this arbitrary promise we made, but it's just that it's not, it's not legally binding. I think, I think when you tie yourself to a promise you made 20 years in the past under different circumstances, you do everyone a disservice because health <clears throat> changes, life situations change. And sometimes you have to make an assessment now, uh, based on some, uh, you know, some vow that you took a long time ago. So that's what I would say. I say, keep, keep your options open. And uh, maybe that's not as funny or as pleasant as what you're looking for. But as always, it is better advice than whatever Steve gave. And I can I can rest comfortably what? on that. Any closing <laughs> thoughts, Steve? Yeah, the, the, the main difference between your grandmother and the sister-in-law is that your grandmother was making the choice for herself. And uh, to that, I don't know, I, my hat's off to her. If she wants to die in her own home, then more power to her. I think that's the choice that she makes. And maybe her life wouldn't have been better in a home because that would have signaled to her the end is here. And, and those end of life things are funny, uh, not funny, haha. but I'm, I'm writing a book currently with uh, an original member of the Guess Who. And he is 80 or almost 80, but he, he's having trouble finishing the last chapter of the book. And he said to me, you know, there's something weird about pushing through this last chapter because I feel like if I finish the book, it's over. And I hadn't really thought about that, but I am getting to a point in life where I'm counting. I probably have 20 baseball seasons left in me, and it's a weird signal that the end is coming. So your grandmother may not have had a better life in the home because that to her would have been it's over. You're, you've lost control of your life. Your kids put you here, and uh, she at least died with some dignity. With the uh, letter writer sister-in-law, this is her parents making this decision for her, and it's got to be gut-wrenching. But my experience with a lot of these kinds of situations, James, is there will be a pivot point where you are correct where reluctantly and sadly the parents will say we just don't have gas in the tank anymore we're going to help we're going to turn it over to someone else to help us and we uh and i use the example of my grandmother because uh you know she has passed away and she will not sue me or be embarrassed by my continuing antics we do have another family member uh and i won't disclose exactly which one who we are going through the same situation again except my grandmother well incredibly incredibly stubborn was still more or less mentally there uh this person is not there is there is some dementia or some other mental uh situation creeping in so well they they, they are still making decisions for themselves they are not making good decisions at all and uh and so it, it gets complicated at that age so yes it's not exactly the same thing as mental illness but as you age the mental factor does factor in uh so this has been uh probably not <laughs> the most uplifting episode we've ever had but hopefully we gave some good advice in there if you'd like us to bring you down a few notches send in your question to james breakwell at explodingunicorn.com that's exploding unicorn with the e it doesn't have to be a marriage question it can be friendship it can be co-workers whatever you've got send in. This has been another week of 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, and that's 10 minutes of your life you'll never get back.